From Transperfect and A to Z Productions, this is Next. I'm Zelina Khan, your host. Support for this podcast comes from Transperfect, a family of companies providing language services and technology solutions for global businesses. Connect your brand to the world and visit transperfect.com. Hi, everyone. Here we are with season three with a brand new set of guests to give you insight in developing not only your business, but also yourselves. Hopefully, these discussions will help make you a better leader, a better employee, and an all-around better person. The evolution of social media has been staggering, from keeping in touch with friends to a place where you can actually conduct business. Whatever you may use it for, there's no denying it's part of the fabric that weaves society together. And our next guest is here to talk to us about that. Sri Srinivasan is with us here today. Sri is the CEO and co-founder of Digimentors, a full-service agency that specializes in TV-style, virtual, and hybrid events. They also do social, mobile, and digital media consulting. Sri wears many hats in the world of social and digital media, which I know a thing or two about. We'll be talking about building a digital presence, tips for not letting social consume your life, and other advice that novices and professionals alike can incorporate into their digital strategy. Hi, Sri. So great to have you here with us. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. So I kind of just want to jump right into it. Your background, you know, teaching digital innovation at Stony Brook and all of your work experience would be great. And I think all the listeners could definitely use your expertise. I kind of want to start from the beginning and just talk about social media. What do you feel the general purpose of social media is? Well, I think we have seen that social media has evolved so much in these last 20 years. And what started as being something that was about connecting with friends and family has become so much more. It's really about the personal stuff is still very, very important, but there's a whole other part of it that's about work and professional uses of social media. And finding that balance has been good and bad for her. For folks, we've also seen that social media has an impact on everything from elections to public safety. So it, it's been fascinating to watch, document, and teach social media uh, during this period. Yeah, um, you definitely um, you you teach students about it, which I think is so interesting. You know, when I think back to my days in college, or just like my first interaction with social media, like. I'm thinking like Skonex, MySpace days, right? Like it was just fun. You know, you're picking your layouts and you're picking your pictures and your top eight or your top 12. And now, you know, social media is kind of like part of your resume, you know? Yeah. In fact, it probably is your resume. LinkedIn makes it really easy to create a resume version of your LinkedIn profile. And that's just an example of uh, how this stuff has evolved. The other thought, since you mentioned you know, MySpace and tools like that. In those early days of social media, there was so much going on in those profiles, in the accounts, that when you tried to use it, it could be overwhelming. All the colors and the bells and whistles and uh, blinky text and things like that. That You can learn to code because of MySpace. Yeah. And so all of that was the MySpace type, you know, the aesthetic was like that. And then along came Facebook which only had one color, only let you choose certain things. And the fonts, everything was fixed. And so many of us thought, wow, this is 
really constraining, but what a relief from that other way of doing this. Of course, we didn't realize then what Facebook would go on to become, but that's just an example of the evolution of how these companies are trying to connect and reach uh, folks and use their product. What's your favorite social media outlet? I, I spend way too much time on Twitter. I, th- I think if we looked at my phone numbers, the Twitter would be the most. And uh, but I also spend time on WhatsApp and spend uh, spend time on um, uh, on Instagram, etc. But but Twitter is really where I spend the most time. Do you think it's because of the short form content? Yeah, I think it's it's fun. There are also people there you want to learn from. I like to say, uh, as you think about these tools, that you know, if Instagram is for showing off your life, even though it's not exactly your life or representing everything. I've been calling Instagram the new LinkedIn. Yeah, so people do that for sure there. But I like to say that if Instagram is for showing off your life, then think about Twitter as for showing off your expertise. But LinkedIn is showing off your expertise. And there, all of these things work in different ways and you can make it work for you. But just put in that effort and it'll be worth it. For sure. So what helped you decide to get into teaching this to students? Well, I was a professor at Columbia Journalism School, which is a graduate school of journalism. And we were seeing how important social media was becoming, especially tools like Twitter and Facebook. And back in 2009, my friend Adam Glenn, who is another tech journalism pioneer, he and I decided to put together the first course for credit about social media in Colombia, most likely in America, in the world for graduate school. And there, was, there were a lot of jokes at the time. So you're going to teach people tweeting, how is that journalism, etc. And we have seen that at that time, we were lucky that we were ahead of where things would go. It was a great way to help people understand the ways in which you can use social to understand the uh, etiquette, understand the ethics, understand what works and what doesn't. And what I have learned after all of these years, I still teach social media workshops for clients as well as workshops I do for the public. What I have learned is social media is so easy to use, but so hard to master. And I learn something new about social media every day, new tools, new features within tools, So, for example, I've just learned that LinkedIn allows you to create a 30-second introductory video. Like an elevator pitch of some sort. Exactly. So I think there are so many things changing every single day, and trying to keep up is hard, but totally worth it. Yeah, I think being in this space, it's, it's constantly changing, and best practices are changing, and, you know, I gotta give it to all the platforms. They're working on monetizing, and as they figure out new ways to monetize, the platform will continue to evolve with it. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen in social media? Well, all of us who are predicting the importance of companies of all kinds paying attention to their digital work, I think we have seen the value of those investments. I'm the former chief digital officer of Columbia University, where we were looking at the future of education. Then I was the chief digital officer of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, where we're looking at the future of culture. And then 
the chief digital officer of New York City, looking at the future of cities and citizenship. And in each one of those places, the investments we made, the emphasis we put on social and digital have really paid off in this past year and a half. Now, I want to be clear, you know, I'm not great at predicting because I remember on the record saying that professors at a college like Columbia would not voluntarily teach fully online unless there's something dramatic happened. And I would say it'd be at least till 2025 till half of Columbia professors were teaching courses online. Of course, it turned out to be March 14th, 2020, when they were given two days and suddenly had to teach online. We couldn't have predicted any of this, but we have seen that understanding social, understanding digital made a difference as people started pivoting on the various platforms. I mean, just look at IG Live, what it was able to do for creative folks, from musicians to other people what Zoom was able to do for folks. I myself started a daily COVID-19 show on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And we did that every single day. And we were able to bring the world together around this kind of conversation. All of these things were just much harder to do before. Things that you could have done, but but the pandemic became the accelerant, became the way in which you could cut through the clutter and make it easier to do. And the reason for that is there was a change on both production side as well as the consumption side. You, it couldn't have worked if it was just in one, one direction. But the fact that producers were able to create content more easily and on the other side, it was much easier for everyday people to consume that content and to use these tools that's why things change so dramatically. You brought up your show, Shree Daily. Um, you do that on LinkedIn and Facebook, right? And even on YouTube, I think, as well? YouTube and Twitter. Oh. So we're able to do four platforms. We use something called StreamYard to make that happen. Yes, we use StreamYard as well. Yeah, and it's been lots of fun. And it's partly uh, because I've been trying to learn this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what spurred the idea to actually create a show? Well... I was looking to uh, try to understand what's happening. And I have friends who are doctors and scientists. And so we started that process and we are really proud. So we went daily for 250 days. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a that's a big undertaking. It's nuts is the right answer. <laughs> and we did that and, you know, book a guest every day. And to have a world-class guest every day was the idea uh, we were able to pull together folks who would, you know, be able to share important tips, ideas, uh, what's happening in the world uh, of COVID. We were looking at the financial crisis that was happening at the same time. And of course, we were also looking at the racial reckoning that happened in this country. So in our first 275 episodes, we went to one once a week after that, we had more than a 1.5 million viewers. We had 525 guests. And for those guests were from 22 countries who are our speakers. And we deliberately started counting women guests on the show. And out of the 525, 303 were women. So we're very proud of that. And one of the things you learned is that everything has to be deliberate if you want that to happen. If you want it to be a show that's really inclusive, you've got to work hard to make that happen. And eventually, we had the chief scientist of the World Health Organization on the show and multiple speakers from 
WHO to help us understand uh, what's happening with the pandemic. Uh, and so it was an amazing experience to put this together. And also, you know, it gave me a way to be occupied and, and busy during the pandemic. But what you also learn is that these things don't happen in a vacuum. You've got to know what you're doing. If you try to learn on the fly, it's going to be much harder to do that. One of my favorite sayings that I learned at the Metropolitan Museum was a famous line from Picasso, opportunity exists, it has to find you working, meaning that you have to have done the prep work in order to you know, benefit from whatever opportunities come your way. And the reason I was able to do the show is that I've been doing a weekly show for several years uh, on Facebook Live, trying to figure out Facebook Live when it first started. And we do this crazy thing where we read the Sunday print New York Times out loud on Facebook. We call it the New York Times read along. And we've had fabulous guests from around the world participate in that. And that taught me how to put together a show, uh, what works, what doesn't, how to book guests, and technology. And so for your audience that's listening, they're not going to make a show like that necessarily, or even a COVID show. But just the idea that whatever field you're in, you want to be constantly experimenting with tools, trying new things, trying new features within the tools. And just do it for yourself. It doesn't have to be something that reaches a lot of people. If you're able to be comfortable doing it for yourself, then when the time is right, you can do it for much larger audiences. Yes, I love that. I love that you um, you emphasize learning, you know, learning to learn. Because I feel, especially with social media, there are some people that just really love it. And then there, then there are some people like, I don't have Instagram. I don't have Facebook, right? And it's just very like, oh, okay, sure. For for those sorts of uh, people, you know, why would you say it's important for them to learn? For those that are just like very anti-social media. There are so many w- reasons why everyone should be paying attention to this. I say to folks, if you have an idea, a product, or a service that you're trying to sell, you need to understand social media. So if you have a product, service, or idea that you want to sell, you have to understand social media. And it's all changing so quickly that you have to pay attention to it as it's happening so that you can benefit from it uh, when the time comes. So no matter what industry you're in, social media plays a role. And we all have to adapt to it and use it as much as we can. For sure. Um, so it's funny you, you brought up if you have a product or a service. So um, at Transperfect, we have this company-wide philosophy. Our, our CEO loves to talk about it too. Um, but it's about being your own entrepreneur, you know, uh, which is basically demonstrating entrepreneurial skills or actions within the organization. And I know you taught the class at Columbia can you talk about a little bit about that entrepreneurship class that you, you, you taught at Columbia and applying social media towards entrepreneurship? Sure. So I, I'm, I'm a big believer in entrepreneurship as well as intrapreneurship where, you know, you don't, you don't know where you'll be uh, working, but every organization is, always, is looking for good ideas. And how do you uh, make sure that 
the innovative idea that you have, does it fit into what the company is going to do? How do you make sure that you are helping folks throughout your organization? And so uh, I, I had the uh, opportunity to teach with Ken Lair, who's a co-founder of the Huffington Post and chairman of BuzzFeed. We used all kinds of digital uh, parts of the entrepreneurship idea that you know, whether even if you're selling physical things, there's lots of digital and social ideas that you need. One of the things that I learned is that you just have to be, and on the organization side, just be good listeners so that you can find these ideas that you never know where they're coming from. Whether the idea is from an intern or someone someone else, there are ideas throughout an organization, but are you listening? Are you hearing those ideas? And are you able to make use of them is something that I'm always thinking about. So we, we, we looked up a fact of the 3.9 billion people in the world who use social media. The average user has eight accounts. What are your thoughts on, I think we've been talking about like social media in the professional space, but do you think social media should only be used like for the professional space? And like, what do you think about people having separate accounts for both? And, you know, um, I have a lot of nieces and, you know, I have interns and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, I've learned the concept of Finstas and, and interesting terms like that. What do you, what are your thoughts on like having multiple counts and separating, I guess, the separation between church and state? Yeah, it's, it's really amazing to see how people use social and whether it should be, you know, a, a personal side, professional side, and how do you keep them separate? Uh, one of the early things I did was in 2011, I visited the Indian city of Hyderabad and the Facebook office there, where I met people whose job it was to delete tens of thousands of accounts a day. And this was because people, you know, there were obviously there were bots and there were fake accounts and there were troublesome folks. And people, people buy followers too, right? Yeah, all kinds of things. All of that was happening. But one of the ways in which they were getting flagged for these fake accounts was from friends telling, you know, basically high schoolers telling on their friends that they have these fake Facebook accounts. One of the principles of Facebook is that you have to have, you know, they want you to have one account and one personality on it. You can do multiple things with it, but to have one account was so interesting to see see that. So that's when I saw uh, the, the scope of the, of, of the problem. And uh, we also saw this in the early days when people would create a Facebook account and then your boss wants to be a friend on Facebook. Oh my God, what do you do now? Or your mother wants to be a friend or mother-in-law. Like, what do you do? Do you adjust what you're saying, how you're saying it? But it's very hard to make those distinctions, right? A lot of people are like, okay, Facebook is for my friends and LinkedIn is for my professional work, but that's very difficult to to keep that division, especially as in the in the twenty years the work cultures have changed and how people interact, what they share. You're at your office, you you know you post something on Instagram and your friends see it, that's fine, but your boss uh, sees uh, your Instagram at the beach. Like those are divisions that used to exist in our lives where. If I went on vacation 30 years ago, nobody knew at my office what I was doing. But now, because I'm sharing, oversharing on these platforms, then everybody can know. 
So I think we all need to be better students of our own social and making sure that we are connecting and sharing the appropriate content at the appropriate time. Yeah. You brought up timing and oversharing. And I think there are a lot of people that, you know, there's a thin line between uh, a lot of, a lot of those things. Um, but when it comes to strategy, you know, what are some strategies that you have, or maybe that you can share, maybe just for your own, like per- that you personally do to get, you know, positive engagement from social media and maybe how you plan posts and things like that. Do you have a couple points for that? Yeah, I I think that everyone needs a plan with their social and they should be experimenting to see how do you connect and engage. One of the things that's changed over these many years is that uh, on some platforms, getting organic reach is just become harder and harder because they want you to pay for that kind of access and that kind of reach. And so you have to become really good at crafting your messages so that even if your reach is only this much the right person seeing that and him or her sharing it, then it becomes this. Right? So you can expand the reach and touch more people with that. So that's something that we're always experimenting with, always trying to figure out what's working and what's not and how you use everything from hashtags to, to the at mentions on the various platforms. All of that has an impact and constantly trying new things and then Watching other people and seeing what is working for them makes a difference. I work on branding and strategy, and it's so funny. I am part of the team that deals with social media and, and, and growth. And, but me, personally, I think I suck at my own social media. And you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say how draining it can be, right? It's just, it's just so much to look at. It's so much to absorb. Do you have any tips for people for how they can look at social media differently? You know, you know, looking at it as a growth tool as opposed to seeing it as a chore. Like, you know, even like even little things like a vacation, right? Like I've taken some of the most beautiful pictures at some of the places I've gone to. And, you know, a friend will say, you didn't post any pictures. Like, why did you not like what happened? Where are your pictures? I'm like, no, I didn't get there yet. It's so overwhelming. Do you have any tips for that? Yeah, I'm, I'm remembering a day when I was speaking in a, in a, to a group. And as I walked in the front of the room, I, I'd been having tremendous back pain for about two weeks. And as I said, look, I'm sorry, my, you know, I've hurt my back two weeks ago. I'm in tremendous pain. And somebody said, oh, I had no idea. You didn't post about it on Facebook. So it was like, if you didn't post it, you didn't happen. If, yeah, if you didn't post it, it didn't happen. Yes. Yeah. And and I, I, I sensed almost like they were kind of upset that I hadn't told them, even though this is none of their business, right? Like that's that's one of the things that can be so frustrating about about social. But this idea that social is all fun is just not true. We have seen the kind of pain and uh, cause people can get depressed. There are all these issues with social that that have just become worse over time. And uh, I have complimented places like Instagram for trying to reduce the pressure of social. And one of the things that they did that was so good was they, they hid the number of likes from other viewers of your post. And so that was really good. But they're offering you the option of seeing those likes again. I believe that not showing the likes would have saved 
the mental health of hundreds of thousands of young people because they're not then so obsessed with, oh my God, I don't have enough likes. Uh, There's a problem. You know, I met middle schoolers who, if they didn't get a hundred likes in an hour, they would delete the post. That's how ingrained in them it was that it was kind of a shame if this wasn't, you know, if it wasn't a successful post. So removing that was a good thing. But these are the things in which, you know, things keep changing. And we as professionals who use this and teach it have to keep an eye out for this. I, I call the follower count the original sin of social media by making that public and making that so obvious it caused us to judge people yes. when we shouldn't have been, right? So you see uh, someone has a hundred followers and someone has a thousand followers. In your mind, the person with a thousand followers is 10 times more important. The follower count has become a form of currency. And whenever you have currency in this world, there'll be things that happen around it. People will try to steal it. People will try to forge it. People will... Uh, do bad things with it. And that's exactly what we've seen where people are buying followers and selling, like all of those things uh, have been- Yeah, it's equating power at this moment, right? Exactly. And that's one of the good things about LinkedIn is that after 500, it doesn't show you. This is 500 plus connections. I think that was a brilliant move on the part of LinkedIn. Right at the top, it started doing that. Imagine how much less pressure there would be on all of these platforms if it was the same way. Uh, instead, people are then chasing those numbers. Yeah, I mean, the the mental, like the impact social media has on mental health is astounding. Like I, I think, you know, back in the day when I was making that MySpace and that Skonix, I wasn't thinking, you know, what this could cause. You know, you just want to share your pictures and very, it was very lighthearted, but, you know, it's it can be increasingly negative depending on how, what people do with it, especially if they have the power of followers. And I think about like cancel culture and, and, and heavily Photoshop pictures and you know, like filters and things like that, where it's just like, you think about unrealistic beauty ideals. Um, and I was thinking, well, we, we came across a study from um, the university of Pennsylvania about the high usage of Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook and how it increases rather than decreases loneliness, which is kind of, you know, ironic, right? Because the whole concept, I guess, of social media was to bring people together. You know, I think it, it can be isolating because people are comparing themselves to each other. What, what can you say to a, some, someone that's really struggling with this? Yeah, I, you know, one of the things that I constantly recommend is to log off and not take all of this so seriously. And that's, you know, it's easy. It's just easier said than done. If your friends, if your circles are completely obsessed and on their phones all the time, you know, fear of missing out, which we used to have kind of in real life became an online thing and just got exaggerated even more. I love that the uh, iPhone, it, it monitors your, so like your app usage, um, which I highly recommend everyone who might be listening to always reevaluate and, and, and take score of what you're spending time on. But like me personally, you know, I have multiple phones um, and I, actually for all of the phones, uh, I, I mute my own social media notifications. Like I don't have notifications on because I was, I was learning like, you know, when you 
like be aware of how much you're spending time on. Also, I think it's important to take tally of who you're following too, right? Like, does this, does this add to my life? Is this draining to me? Um, because I mean, being locked up at home, all we did was have time in front of a screen, right? <laughs> and I, yeah. you know, it's, it can it can mess with someone. So let's say like for someone who is just starting out, which I don't think anyone here is just starting out uh, on social media. But what do you think are healthy steps for beginners? No, I, I mean I think the, the 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 problem as much as is not as much as with beginners as much as it is with people who've been kind of drowning in this for so many years. They both have issues, but just just un, you know understanding what these systems are doing to you and your brain, I think is the first step. Uh, just knowing that the notifications on your phone are engineered by scientists in Silicon Valley to be uh, hits on your brain that will cause you to touch your phone every few seconds. Like those are all, not, not none of this is an accident. And so turning off your notifications, grayscaling your phone. I don't know if you've ever tried this where oh, tell me more. you just make everything on your phone gray. So you remove the colors uh, and the apps don't sing out to you like, touch me, touch me. So if you just Google grayscale your phone on iPhone or Android, very easy to do. And then you will, you will see. And I've had students complain to me saying after they did this, they just are not interested in in the tool uh, as much. And so, uh, that is amazing. I've never heard that before. Yeah. So, uh, try that. I will Google it right after this and, 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 and kind of see, uh, what happens, how do you respond to it? What you, and, and, and study yourself, right? Like just really think, what am I doing? What am I getting out of this? Uh, was there, what is the expense of this, right? Like what else am I not doing that I could be doing now? Uh, that's better for, my mental health, what is better for my family, what's better for my job, uh, all of that. Uh, because when you're in it, it's so easy to get lost in it. And we used to call, you know, when social media first started, I'd say like Facebook is a great time suck. You'd go in for, uh, you'd say, okay, I'm going in for two minutes. You come out 20 minutes later and you say, okay, I'm going to be on social for an hour, come out three hours later. And uh, since that time, we've added Instagram, we've added TikTok, we've, uh, you know, spending hours on Reddit. All of these things are taking away from the things that you get paid for, the things that your family rewards you for. Like all of those things are not these things. And finding, you know, if you're like a TikTok influencer and you're uh, got millions of followers, then that's your job. You need to be concentrating on that. But for everyone else, having those divisions, having those distinctions makes a difference. I wanted to talk about your TED Talk that you, that you did back in 2015, discussing social media natives versus immigrants. And I thought it was really, really, really interesting. Can you talk about it a little bit? Yeah. So... Uh, I've had the honor of doing five TEDx talks on various topics, but this one resonated a lot with folks. This was about digital immigrants and digital natives. Uh, so we think a lot about the term digital natives and how uh, young people are always 
um, good at technology versus older people not being good at technology. And of course, I'm now an older person, so I think about these distinctions differently. But, but for a long time, I was the young whiz kid who knew technology better than anyone else, and people would turn to me. There was a moment when uh, I was invited by Mashable to do a presentation about the future of media and journalism, and it was going to be called A View from Two Generations. And suddenly, it was my student, Vadim Lavrusik, was the younger person. I suddenly found myself the older guy in this two-generation thing, and it never happened before. I was always a younger person, and that happened in 2010 because I was... Uh, <laughs> Turning it's like you wake up one day and you're like, wait, oh, oh, I'm that person. Yeah, how did that happen? But <laughs> since then, I've been very aware of this. And of course, young people uh, you know, understand many tools better and technologies better. They're just more flexible and, uh, uh, and able to play with the technology in different ways than older people can. But my point of my, uh, of my talk, you know, if you Google digital immigrants uh, and Sri, you'll, you'll find it, was that we have, you need a balance. Um, and I myself, and I, I made a comparison to actual immigration. So I was, uh, not, I was born in Japan and I came to America when I was uh, nine years old. And as an immigrant to this country, I take fewer things for granted than my native born uh, friends and family members. And uh, just as a digital uh, native will never use a manual, a native born person will never use, uh, you know, will not necessarily read about history the same way or maps the same way, uh, look at maps the same way. So I made that comparison. So those of us who have immigrated into the tech world and the, these tech tools, we may uh, be forced to read the manual and have a different kind of understanding about these tools and, and how to use them and, and what works and what doesn't. But all of this is to say that we're all learning all the time and uh, there's so much uh, for everybody to learn. Yeah, it, it, was, a, it was a great talk. I, I highly advise everyone oh, um, to, to check it thank out. You. So what's, what's next for social media? What, especially when it comes to, um, you know, a big part of this conversation was you know, with the professional lens, with the mental wellness lens, where do you see it evolving? Yeah, we, we uh, you know, I, I think um, it's important for us to understand that these changes are going to accelerate. Uh, if we look at our lives uh, just 10 years ago versus now, there are so many tools that we use every day that we weren't using back then uh, you know, uh, whether you're if, whether you think of the physical things like Uber and and other tools uh, and other services to just TikTok didn't exist. Right. And just think of how many hours a day we're spending on these tools. So I believe we're going to see even more acceleration and even more tools coming our way in the next five, 10 years. But at the heart of it, this will always be about connections. It'll be about social ways in which you're learning both family and friends things, but also professional things. And there's going to be much more emphasis on geolocation and not just what you're doing, but who you're doing it with. 
where you are, all of that's going to matter even more as we go forward. Yeah. It's important, you know, to always take that, that internal in inventory. What, what are you doing? What's your relationship with social media? Making sure you control it. It doesn't control you. Real. It's a lot. And, you know, think about it. You know, when you first created that class, people probably didn't take it seriously enough. And now it's, now it's every, everyone, everyone needs to know it. Everyone, it's, it's a necessity um, in the, especially in the professional space. So um, anyone that would want to follow you, get to know more about you, um, you know, you have, you're everywhere, right? Um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about where they can find you, where they can get to know more about you? Sure. So of course, LinkedIn, I think all of us, can optimize our use for use of LinkedIn. There's so much to be done. I think we take it for granted and don't use it as well as we could and should. So I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me. If you can spell my name, you can find me. Otherwise, I'm Sri on Twitter, which is where I do my most of my sharing of tips and thoughts and ideas. Uh, also, I'm on Instagram as Sreenet, S-R-E-E-N-E-T. But maybe the most useful thing I can do for all of you is to invite you to my closed free Facebook group called Sri's Advanced Social. Sri's Advanced Social. And there are more than 10,000 people who work in digital and social at media organizations, big corporations, small businesses in every industry. And you can join. And there are people all over the world. So if you have a question about uh, some new feature on social media, you can ask it and there'll be somewhere, somebody will be awake and answer uh, uh, you, I learn so much from this every day, uh, and people have said how it's one of the most useful things on the internet, not because of me, but because of that community we've built. So if we just go into Facebook and search three apostrophe S advanced, you'll find it Ask to join. We'd love to have you and I'd love to hear feedback and always, uh, uh happy to chat at, uh, Twitter on, uh, at three S R E E. Shree, thank you so much. This was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. We've come a long way from picking our top eight on MySpace, with social media ingrained in every part of our lives, both personal and professional. Each platform has its own purpose, and hopefully this episode gives you a better understanding of how you can utilize each of these outlets to their fullest potential. My biggest takeaway here is really being mindful of my time online. Burnout is a thing, so know when to log off and balance balance is key for more on this topic you can connect with Shree on social media and join his facebook group at Shree's advanced social until next time be kind to yourselves and be kind to each other and that's it for season three stay tuned for season four with new guests new topics and what's next if you made it to the end of this episode thank you and be sure to keep listening. Also, make sure you hit the like button and subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you can listen to the latest episodes of Next. And if you have a question, comment, or suggestion, or you just want to tell us how much you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at nextpodcast at transperfect.com or visit nextpodcast.transperfect.com.